everyone, and welcome to the Sex Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee. And I'm your other host, Jen. This week, we did things a little bit differently. Jen did a solo interview with our friend Melissa Lee, so you'll hear that interview, and then afterwards, we're going to talk about it. So please enjoy. Today we're talking to one of my good friends, Melissa Lee. She is an artist and pug mom. She wanted everyone to know that from San Francisco. Uh, Thanks for joining, Melissa. Thanks for having me, Jen. So Melissa had an interesting uh, childhood, I guess you could say. She traveled a lot. Her dad was working in like a bunch of different countries. So she's lived everywhere from Scotland to Saudi Arabia to, I don't know, what are some other cool places you've lived, Melissa? Um, Norway, but that was back when I was like a really small kid. And then I spent some time in Jakarta as well as Singapore before making it all the way to California. Wow. That's, I haven't even visited most of those places. (laughs) (laughs) Singapore is definitely amazing. And I think I do want to go back to Norway at some point um, because I was so young when I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, very cold. um, And I don't love the cold, but I'm going to say your favorite kind of weather. (laughs) Yeah. We'll go in the summer, whenever their yeah. summer is. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that specifically. So I like I grew up in a really small town in rural Pennsylvania. And so, you know, everyone already knows the kind of sex that I got. I've talked about it in an episode already. But I think it'd be really interesting to talk about the sex ed that you got in mm-hmm. all of those different places from your family to your friends to I don't know what the the schooling systems might have taught you differently about each each thing in each place so um I don't know when where do you want to start what was the what was your like earliest memory of sex ed or like learning about sex yeah I think it was probably when I was um probably when I was nine and then I used to have a lot of sleepovers with friends um and so at one of the sleepovers I think my friend literally had just learned like what sex was and then told all of us and then I was like oh that is interesting like what do you mean that thing goes inside somewhere else and like that was pretty much like the end of it like I mean like and then like we just kind of like knew what it was and stuff but I think at that time all kids were like that's so gross because like you're nine um yeah but then at some point I think like a couple years later or something like my parents like sat me down and my parents are very religious but I am not and I've never really been since like I was a kid and so like they sat me down they're like this is a book about this deed and like it was just all filled with bible verses and everything and like every time it said you can only do this like when you're married like it is absolutely broken and disgusting to do it before so I mean they've definitely revised like a lot of opinions and everything since then but like growing up it was kind of like that that weirdness where my friends were like oh this is super normal and kind of funny but like um my parents were very uh religious about it so mm-hmm. um that's probably my earliest memory of earliest just kind of memories. learning it. Yeah. How old were you when you read that book? Um, well, I think I was like around 10 or 11 or something. Like my parents like actually literally sat down with me to read it. And it was just interesting. <laughs> I don't think we ever finished it um, because it was just quite awkward. Um, and <laughs> then, yeah, that was about it. Wow. 
So you were like 10 or 11 when you first read that book and your parents sort of, I guess, did their best to teach you about it. What Did it leave any lasting impression on you, like all the religious stuff where you were just like, this is bullshit? It was mostly like, I understand that it's bullshit, but like, I definitely don't want to push people to, like, I didn't feel like I wanted to push my parents to be like, oh yeah, like, let's think about it in different ways or whatever like that. So like, I just learned to keep very quiet about everything since then. Mm -hmm. And so like, I mean, even growing up, like ever since like that, like, it's like, it didn't just extend towards like sex or whatever like that. It was also just like, okay, like I can't tell them that I actually like like somebody or am dating somebody or whatever Mm. because like it's like that those kind of emotions are just not things that like we'll ever talk about or like they would or it would be kind of like taboo so I guess like most of the time yeah it just like taught me to like hide a bunch of stuff yeah yeah and that was really the biggest impact yeah I I think I felt that way too I felt like every time I liked someone it was like we had to do stuff in secret or like even like talking in secret like I never Mm -hmm. I never told my parents about anything because they were my parents were also really religious and I was like really afraid (laughs) I was doing something wrong or they were gonna find out it just yeah 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 Yeah, and it was interesting because it was kind of like one of those like well even if I had like a male friend or acquaintance like I would never tell my parents because like then it would just be very like either like I think my dad would tease a lot and then my mom would be the one that was like oh that's blasphemous um so yeah that's it's blasphemous to even have a male friend that's what she would have said really like that but it was more just like oh you should be very careful and like protect yourself and all this kind of stuff right like and Hmm. I think like I mean it of course came from like a protective stance or whatever but I think it just had a very religious tint to it that like I really didn't like yeah, it sounds like you couldn't be open with your parents about, like, any part of your life, even your friendships yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's weird because, like, now, like, especially after college, it's like they did a complete 180 and, like, it's super chill. But growing up is very strange. Yeah, yeah. I guess once you reach a certain age and they're like, okay, she's fine. Like, she's yeah. successful and, you know, what else are we going to do here? Um, <laughs> exactly. What else? <laughs> so you said, though, that your friends growing up were um, not – super religious or they didn't they didn't seem to have as many hang-ups I guess as your parents did yeah um they were kind of like in two different camps I think like I I grew up in a lot of like international schools and so like I think like a lot of kids there were a little bit more on like the um progressive side but I think mostly growing up I wouldn't really talk with them about you know like people I liked or anything like that either Mm -hmm. just because like it was one of those like well this gets back to like my parents or just like feeling uncomfortable in general about the emotional aspect Hmm. of everything. They were pretty, they were a lot more like, I guess, open to things like, okay, dating is fine or doing this is fine or talking about this is fine or like reading like or watching like a rom-com is fine. Yeah, I wouldn't even like watch romantic comedies really growing up because it was one of those like very embarrassing things to like admit that they were like fun or interesting or funny because like my family life was very unemotional <laughs> so okay um yeah like it was interesting because I think like a lot of my friends in, in high school and everything seemed like a little bit more chill but then when I went to college like there were people who I guess like were a little bit more on the conservative side and so like what pissed mm-hmm. me off there was like people would ask me like have you had sex yet or like anything like that and I'm like that is like a personal thing or like when I talked with somebody about something like they were like oh, it seems like you went way too far with that guy. Like, what are you even thinking? And I'm like, this is college, like, where you're supposed to be more open to shit. And so I kind of shut off, like, everything Uh and, like, pretended that, like, I had never, like, done anything, like, so that it would be more acceptable. And, like, what pisses me off is that these are the people now that are just, like, 
doing like the same things or whatever and it's like what is what is happening some prime (laughs) some prime slut shaming was that in like 2009 let me guess just based off of yeah no that was actually like so i um it was like in 2006 2007 okay yeah and so like that that part was those kind of things were just kind of like the amount of judgment and everything was like okay like that's strange it's like really not that big of a deal right yeah, yeah especially because you were you were like in a committed relationship with someone at the time like basically almost as soon as you entered college right uh yeah I think like about a year or so after I like I entered mm-hmm. college and stuff like I mean and like this was like mostly like before all of that gotcha not to say that you know only having sex in a committed relationship is the way to go like have yeah. whatever consensual sex you want but it just seems interesting that that like you said, people would judge you for that. Like you're all young, hot in your twenties, and you you went to school at Stanford, right? So this was like yeah, which was supposedly like pretty liberal. Weirder, like because it was supposed to be like this liberal institution or whatever. But like a lot of people were just, I guess like a lot of the people that I met just like were very divided into either like it's like oh my god, like what a hoe, or like yeah, cool, do whatever you want. Um, so that's like, yeah, no gray areas in there. I wonder if it's like mellowed out since then because I feel like in when I graduated, people were pretty cool with everything, but like just like that freshman, sophomore year kind of left a very bad taste in my mouth about Hmm. how people like acted because like these are the same people who like preach about like, oh, accept people for who they are, don't be ashamed, but then like privately they're like super shamey, right? So and where where yeah. were these people coming from? Were they like all over the country? Were these international students? Uh, all over the country, I think. Interesting. So going back a little bit, then you would have been in high school in like the very early two thousands, correct? Oh, yeah. Was that oh two yeah, to oh right. six? Is that four years? Yes, I can do math. Um, <laughs> so, and then you you went to high school in a couple different places, right? Like geographically. Yes. Yeah. Saudi Arabia and Singapore. In Singapore, gotcha. So what, I know you said that school kind of taught you very clinical um, stuff about sex ed. There's nothing too remarkable about that. But um, Mm -hmm. what were you learning from your peers at the time? Because you said that you would kind of shut down and were not very open about discussing this stuff with your peers because you were kind of afraid it would get back to your parents. Yeah, it was that and also just like a general discomfort of anything like emotional or like anything in general and Mm -hmm. so like none of this was ever really discussed I think most of the time like a lot of peers were like oh that's like kind of gross but whatever like is like just the general (laughs) sentiment sex in general are you like hooking up with people was gross but whatever no 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 no. like sex in general was kind of like the the accepted viewpoint was like oh that's kind of gross but whatever or like oh I can't believe even through high school yeah even for high school it was like very Hmm. strange um yeah, or, like, if people didn't think it was gross, it would just, like, just keep your mouth shut. I think it's mostly, like, the just keep your mouth shut kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, Pretend no it isn't happening. Discuss. Yeah, there's no need to discuss any of this. Like, people were, like, open to, like, I guess, like, in Singapore especially, like, um, people were, like, open to, like, drinking and, like, partying and, like, all this kind of stuff. But, like, um, like sex and all was just, like, just keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you – where did you learn from then just by, like, being attracted to guys and, like – trying fooling around like trying it for yourself or did you learn from like media like how do you like your perception of your sexuality which I assume is straight but hey now would be the time to come out if (laughs) if uh, it's not um you know how did you because I had like a very kind of long coming out and like realization about my sexuality in high school and 
that I liked girls and you know, uh-huh. I was being taught that sex was bad as well, but like I, I knew that I was very horny and like wanted to have sex. Right. Yeah. So it's... I had these like very conflicting feelings. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um. Honestly, like I know it sounds very strange, but like I knew from a young age that I liked the deep. I just didn't know what it was called. Like, um. So I remember <laughs> I was like four or five, and I was like watching Sleepless in Seattle or whatever, like because like it was on, like or like whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that guy is really cute, and like I don't. Tom know, Hanks. You know, at, no, not Tom. Hanks. no no what was the other one like while you were sleeping bill pullman oh while you were sleeping yeah, bill pullman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so like totally oh different <laughs> is it tom guy. hanks in, <laughs> in seattle wait a second no i mean perfectly nice dude it's not my style <laughs> so yeah i guess like i i would say my first thirst was at five at five yes bill and pullman. so i think like that was in texas or, or something like that and so like I didn't really know what like cute or whatever meant or whatever. I just knew that like, oh my God, like, oh, it's kind of like yeah. where I was at. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was pretty much like stuff like that. I didn't really, I didn't ha- start like really having sex or anything until college because like growing up, it was one of those like, well, I cannot get it. If anything happens, like I cannot ever terminate this pregnancy anywhere that I was growing up. So, right. Like it just wasn't accessible. So. Yeah. And like none of that was gotcha. accessible. Like people would know and like all this kind of stuff. And so like it was kind of one of those like not let's never do this until like it's uh, yeah possible but to very, undo it. <laughs> very fear based. Yeah, my, um, so my first crush was also when I was like five or six. Uh-huh. And it at the time I also didn't realize it was a crush. I was like, yeah. wow, that girl is so pretty. And now, <laughs> now looking back, I'm like damn um it was it was the actress that plays claudia in the babysitter's club movie i don't even know her name now but oh my god y'all can look it up she was a cutie back when we were both children so yeah so i i think i I, you know i also got sex ed that was very much based in fear like they would you know yeah tell us like if you have sex even if it's protected like you is a super high risk of getting STDs and getting pregnant and this will happen to you and it'll ruin your life and you, you'll always have these STDs forever and then you'll be saddled with a baby or like whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. like super fear based and yeah. um yeah so that was what yours was as well yeah it was very it was like very much like like that it was just interesting to see kind of like um well back in Indonesia and in Saudi Arabia like any sex scenes and whatever they're like censored right like mm-hmm. at least like when I was there um in Saudi Arabia there it used to be somebody's job to like literally like blur out like sh- with a sharpie somebody's oh my body like yeah so anyway like it, it like was they would color because, like, on the film they would like yeah, color like, over um, it. on the like cds and everything <gasps> like that like oh you know it's like wow that is really high employment rates but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much you get paid for that like I don't know, 10 cents a boob or something? Um, Higher if it's like a dick or something? Like, it just kind of, like, (laughs) affected, like, everything that, like, from there on out, right? Because I think, like, when I moved to Singapore where, like, things were really free, I was like, oh, my God, I can finally try out all of this, like, feminine stuff. Like, and so trying out makeup and trying out, like, I I mean, of course, as you know, I love booty shorts and short skirts. And so, like, (laughs) trying those out and, like, dresses Mm -hmm. and everything. And, like, I've never really looked back since then because it just feels like so liberating I guess to like wear like any clothes that I want to um and so I think like that experience like I mean I was only there for two years but like that whole experience just made me feel like oh my god like I really appreciate being able to do Mm -hmm. like whatever I want 
yeah. but I think it was also that like I was separated from my dad like for a couple of years while we were in Singapore because there were like a lot of there were some terrorist attacks like school got let out early just TLDR like it was safer for my mom and I to move to Singapore um, mm-hmm. from Saudi and, Arabia right yeah exactly gotcha. and so like the Indonesian culture is like very teasing and so like he would always tease me a lot so like if I tried anything new or if I tried like to wear a skirt like it would just be kind of like oh look at you and like mm-hmm. I don't deal well with that like as a person like I'll just be like oh that's negative feedback I'll never do it again right I mean it is negative feedback like he's trying to make you smaller yeah like and I'm like a very well (laughs) I think like I've told you this before but like I call myself like a very well-trained like German shepherd it's like if you tell (laughs) me not to do something I'll be like okay I won't I'll do it better um German shepherds are the smartest dogs you know I think that's a compliment honestly Yeah. So anyway, yeah, when he wasn't there, I was like, I'm going to try wearing a skirt and no one's going to be able to make fun of me. And then like the first time I like I wore like, you know, like a skirt, like in my teenage years, I was like, oh, like that is so that's fine. Like no one's doing anything weird. But then like Uh it starts going into this whole like sexual harassment thing. And like when I was in Saudi Arabia, like I had this very creepy tennis teacher who would just Mm -hmm. touch me all over the place. But when you're like an 11 to 13 year old, you don't, or like 12 to 14, I think was mm-hmm. no 13 to 15. Yeah. When you're a 13 to 15 year old, you're like, you don't really know what that is. Right. And that couple right. back that like, it was very shameful to talk about this stuff was kind of like one of those, like, Oh, this is normal. This is what I have to go through. Um, and that intensified as I like kind of started wearing like, you know, like different things, which is like not an acceptable thing to have, but then, Honestly, like when I was in Stanford, like especially my freshman and sophomore year, like there were people who were like, oh, you should shut up about it. Or like there's this guy, like this guy has a girlfriend. You can't tell anyone about it because it'll like ruin like his reputation. I'm, I'm glad we're yeah. talking about this because I think that I think it really talks to how much how formative shame can be how that sort of like followed you throughout your childhood. So it, you were ashamed to talk about sex at all. You mm-hmm. were sort of shamed by your father whenever you tried something new or wanted to like explore your identity, explore your femininity. So you just sort of held that in. And then even when you were um, assaulted when you were a teenager, you should have been able to come forward. But like all of the all of the forces that be, I guess, sort of set you up so that you continue to feel shame about mm-hmm. this happening to you. Yeah. Which I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's awful. I'm glad that you were sort of able to move to a place where it felt freeing. Yeah. That must be liberating. Um, yeah. So you were so back in back in Saudi Arabia when you were a teenager, you had a tennis teacher who assaulted you. You you were not able to come forward because people told you that he he had a partner or he no, was a man. No, or it was a that was a different person, but that gotcha. was in college. Like with the tennis mm. teacher, it was kind of just like one of those like, I mean, he would say weird things. Like I remember, like what a one of the grossest memories I have of him is like. He would teach you how to serve, right? But then his dick would just be, like, all up in my butt. Um, and so it's, like, that is gross, like, feeling that. But, like, honestly, like, he kept on saying, like, oh, this is normal. This is how you teach. And so, like, I kept on, like, thinking hmm. that, like, that was the way that people did Yeah, things. he was, like, um, gaslighting you. Right. And, like, the only time I actually felt that it wasn't normal was, like, when – or that I knew it wasn't normal was when he started calling my house every single day. And, like, wow. in Saudi Arabia, you're not allowed to, like, be with – like go out alone with a man that was not in your family mm-hmm. and so um he would say like let's just go to the mall alone just us like and like it would be every day like and sometimes like it would be a couple of times a day wow what did your parents say so at first like it would just like the house call or whatever and so like sometimes mm-hmm. I would be the one to pick up because I'm like at that time you're like oh maybe it's my friend 
but then I think my parents started realizing like it was not normal, but it was around the time when we were going to leave. And so we never covered it. I never actually told them about him until last year. Wow. How did that conversation go? I think my dad was just kind of like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, he did. I don't think he really knew how to react. Like, I think like my mom kind of knew. Mm. But that was kind of it. So it wasn't like, you know, there's no like emotional reveal or anything like that. Mm. It was like very like, this is what happened um, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, that experience as well. Like, I mean, my mom apparently had a friend in Saudi Arabia who was assaulted um, Mm -hmm. in like a changing room. And then the police were begging her like not to press charges because this dude had a family. um, And so they didn't. And so anyway, like it was one of those things where like those experiences kind of shaped my perception of it in general. Of course. Everything that happened after that with like assault or like harassment or whatever, just kind of like further validated the feeling of like I need to fucking shut up about this stuff like yeah people are more important than I am and that was kind of it so you had experiences through college as well oh yeah yeah I mean like some of them were just like you know like this guy like I I was sharing like a summer house with like some folks for like Mm -hmm. a couple weeks before I went back home and then um we had to like share a room and all this kind of stuff like and I was like okay cool like this guy is safe because he has a girlfriend and like I know that it's weird but like Every yeah. time that I think, like, every time I, like, interact with somebody, I put them in, like, a safe and not safe bucket. And so I'm like, right. okay, if you have a partner, if they're long-term, you are safe. You will never, ever do anything to me. Mm-hmm. And so I thought he was one of those people. But then, like, at night, like, he thought I was sleeping, one. He started feeling me up, like, from, like, my backside, like, butt all the way up to the back. And, like, I turned mm-hmm. around. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And so, I mean, like, he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, like, you gave me such strong signals. And I was like, what the fuck, man? And then I told his By laying friend, here completely yeah. still, not moving, I gave you signals. I told his friend sure. at the time. And then um, his friend was also, like, one of my friends who, like, introduced us. And then he was like, you can't tell anybody about it because he has a girlfriend. It'll, like, ruin his life. And so I just didn't. Holy shit. Anyway, yeah, there's... Who cares about your life, right? You're not important <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that has just awful. been my experience with that all throughout. Mm-hmm. And, like, even at work and workplaces, as you well know, <laughs> yeah, I never reported anything up until, like, yeah, um, because it was just so, like, this is what I have to take, like, and whatever. And, like, I've been through, took, like, I mean, I didn't go to therapy for, like, until maybe a couple of years ago, like, mm-hmm. when, like, all this Me Too movement started coming out. And I was like, it's not normal. I shouldn't yeah. just take this. This is not acceptable. And it's strange because I feel like I have a double standard or like I had a double standard for like myself versus everybody else, right? Like if this happened to like some woman that I knew, I'd be like really livid about it. But because it happened to me, I'd be like, whatever, like it's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You've been sort of primed to feel that way most of your life. How did you move from a place of feeling shame and feeling like you had to be quiet to now being able to, to talk about it, to share it with your family and to start speaking up like what was that what was that change in you um honestly I think it was like the therapy like I went to therapy for like a year every week Mm -hmm. and then like it was just building that whole belief not necessarily confidence but like belief that like it was not something normal and I should speak up about it and that like my how I feel and everything like matters too but it's still Mm -hmm. very hard to talk about it especially with like family or like 
people that I've known for a while that I don't necessarily have this like confessional relationship or anything with um because I think like a lot of times like I just compartmentalize very easily like as sure. in, like, it's very easy to outwardly project, like, everything's fine, everything's good, like, whatever, like, even when I'm at home right now. And so mm-hmm. being able to recognize when I'm not feeling good is probably, like, the biggest thing that therapy, like, taught me because for a while, like, I always just suppressed that feeling. And then it got wow. easier when I was able to, like, recognize something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the up. closest way that I would, like, think about it is that, like, it's kind of like when I'm sitting and I'm working on something, like I have like tunnel vision. And so I don't recognize that I'm hungry. I don't recognize I need to go pee. I don't recognize like any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, my life had just kind of become something like that. And like when I recognize it now, I'm able to do something a little more about it, but like it's still hard to yeah. recognize it. You have to work actively yeah. on it every every day, every time yeah. it happens. But there you have it, folks. Everyone should go to therapy. That's yeah. what I learned from this episode. <laughs> Work on your shit. That's yeah. amazing. I'm I'm so glad that, you know, obviously it's like an ongoing thing every day we've talked about, but I'm so glad that you've made that progress. Um, that's amazing. Good for you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I just kind of want to end on, you know, looking back, it seems like even the information you did get, you were sort of told to like be quiet about it and never mm-hmm. really talk about it. What do you wish you had learned? What do you wish your parents had taught you or your friends or school had taught you that might have set you up better in the long run about sex? I think it's hard with schools because I feel like the environment and the parents have a lot of power over schools, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. I think the schools did a good job of just explaining, like, this is how you do things safely. These are STDs. These are, like, the statistics and everything like that. But I think, like, all throughout, like, childhood and everything like that, it's, like, the... um, I guess, like, it's, like, the emphasis and, like, kind of, like, the emotional maturity and, like, acceptance and everything like that, like, was never something that was super discussed um, Mm -hmm. or really emphasized on. And I really do wish that, like, there was a a way to do something like that. I think um, the other part is that, like, um, I do wish that, like, growing up there was a little bit more around, like, well, this is, like, what I believe for myself, but, like, it's more of a personal choice and choices are acceptable as long as you're not like you know like purposely harming like other people if that makes sense like it's more about like the effect Mm -hmm. and I wish that there was that kind of like kind of choice or other viewpoint because I think that would have made me a little bit more comfortable like kind of just regardless of whatever environment or whatever peers like thought or whatever as if my parents gave me that option to that there was another way of believing like right it would have been um it would have been great like I guess essentially I wish that like I mean everyone's human right but like I wish like I had the parents that I have now growing up well that is a thing to end on (laughs) yeah thanks for joining the podcast today Melissa And thank you so much for sharing your story. It was so powerful, and I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Hi, everyone. Welcome back from the interview with Melissa Lee. That was really fascinating to listen to. I am still just kind of blown away (laughs) by her story. Um, so I'm here with Jen. We're going to discuss that interview 
a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about first was Melissa's experience with her parents. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, it sounds like her dad, he would kind of tease her about sex stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know for a lot of, a lot of people that I know, it was more, it was either, you know, like your parents either would just get uncomfortable and not talk to you about it, or they would, you know, tell you that whatever you're thinking or feeling is sinful and wrong. Mm-hmm. I've never really talked to somebody who's experienced like a teasing way to turn them off of yeah. sexual experience. I think it was even like less, less intense than that. He would tease her about femininity and right. he would tease her about her wearing makeup or wearing skirts. Um, and to me, it kind of seemed like in a way that was like, oh, you think you're all that now, you know, mm-hmm. wearing skirts and makeup <laughs> and like, you know, look at you. What do you think you're doing? I think it really like sort of took a number on her her self-confidence and she said that her response was to just completely shut down yeah um even like around her friends Mm -hmm. she just never talked about anything with them sex related relationship related what was going on in her life and obviously that has sort of spilled over into this like she doesn't want her parents to potentially hear this interview Mm -hmm. um yeah it was that part was definitely interesting for me as well Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that she was saying, you know, her parents, she wishes she had the parents that she has now when she was younger. So I wonder, I wonder what inspired that change. Uh, Do you think it's maybe it was a defense mechanism to try and protect their young daughter? Um, Obviously didn't work very well. (laughs) But, uh, you know, and maybe now that she's an adult, they're kind of more relaxed. Or do you think, I don't know. Maybe I think so. From from what I know, just about, you know, around hanging out with Melissa and uh, meeting her parents, I think that she really pulled away from them when she moved to the States. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's in a long term relationship now. And she was willing to sort of sever ties with that relationship if they didn't treat her respectfully. And so yeah. I think that they sort of came around, which was great. And I think that there was also a change within her. Like she went to therapy for Mm -hmm. these issues that she was having for the assault issues. Um, and she finally came to a place within herself that she felt less ashamed and that she could talk to her parents about Mm -hmm. it and whatever their reaction was, it was going to be okay. Um, so that was really powerful statement from my perspective as well. Um, I think it was also really interesting that when she told her parents and they didn't really say anything to her. She said that she she told us that her mom knew. Her mom knew? What had happened. Yeah, that was one thing that she said. Oh, I forgot She that. assumes that her mom kind of, kind of knew it was happening or got an idea it was happening yeah. because that guy in Saudi Arabia was calling her right. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so she had this inkling. Um, that was kind of an intense moment for me when I was listening to it back. Yeah. Like, how can you be a parent and even suspect that something like that is happening and do nothing? It's Yeah, yeah. That's got to be hard to cope with as as Melissa, too, <laughs> to think right. about that. I'm sure her mom was inundated with a lot of shame as well. Like, if you're passing that on to your children. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. That's probably where you're coming from as well. So I was just going to say it's good that it seems like Melissa is trying to break that cycle. Yeah, I'm sure that maybe they've learned some lessons from her, like especially because, you know, now as an, as, as an adult, it seems like they treat her with a lot more respect, which is really cool to hear. But anyways, um, 
this is just a crazy interview. Like I've never, I've never known anybody who's grown up in Saudi Arabia before. I know, right? Like, what about the part where she's talking about it was someone's job to scribble yeah. off Honestly, private parts or love scenes? It was crazy. I kind of related to that because uh, a lot of people that I knew in my like religious community, like there was a lot about you know like some movies you shouldn't watch because they had sex scenes or swearing or whatever. But there's this thing called clean flicks that clean flicks yes (laughs) it went through and uh would delete out the sex scenes and nudity (laughs) and swearing from movies so i actually did not know that there was a sex scene or a naked drawing scene in titanic um also in the shining actually i just watched the shining like a, a year ago for like the third time and i had no idea that there was the old naked lady in the bathtub I literally, it was my first time Whoa. seeing that scene and I was like, oh my God, this movie is so, so much scarier than I thought it was. <laughs> do the movies just not make sense? Like, do they just cut out entirely? Like, no, like, I mean, I they mean, would just, I think they would, I'm trying to remember what the Titanic one did. I think it showed because them Because there was like, so much development of their relationship, like in- Yeah, but it would like, it would show and... them kissing. Oh, okay. And stuff. And then it would just cut like the, the sexy <laughs> hand fog- <laughs> the sexy handbag they showed that you know because that is also a defining no, they moment. can't yeah. show that that shows that's like oh. some sex steam no 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 they would they would show them like uh, I, I should find it i can't remember exactly yeah, but please. i mean they would hint I'm... they would hint at some kind of physical relationship but nothing i don't even think they would maybe they would even hint at like them going into the car but they wouldn't show any of that stuff so you could be like oh my god they're just going in there to make out but she has a fiance. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, the whole movie just has to be wiped from Queen Flex now. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, let us know what you think. If you have any thoughts, if you grew up in Singapore or Saudi Arabia, we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, so if you liked this episode, Please subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Sex Ed Podcast or Twitter at Sex Ed Podcast. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add, Jen? No, except that if you want to be on the podcast, also reach out to us. We'd love to chat with you guys. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Are we talking about masturbating? It is National Masturbation Month. It is, right? In May? It is May. Oh, my God. May. It's it's like a good week into May. It's Masturbation Month. You're welcome good one. for that. <laughs> I liked the really intense silence after I said that. <laughs> How do you like to masturbate?